Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is maintaining compassion while offering boundaries. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, today's topic. In this time of social isolation and having social media be so prominent, you mm. see a lot of behavior out there that is frustrating to watch. So that's where this is coming from, correct? To say the least, there's plenty of things that are happening out there, whether it's people reacting to people's stuff on Facebook or Twitter or even Instagram, or whether it's watching the news and seeing folks making choices that are different than our own. There is so much that is going on that people are getting passionate about and having big emotional reactions towards. And so we're going to take a minute to talk about how to be compassionate while still maintaining your own boundaries around hot button topics. Yeah, because there are a lot of them and you can't spend your time screaming at a TV because it's not helpful. I mean, you can, but exactly. It's not helpful, right? Right. Okay. So why do you think people are making these, what we would consider risky choices? And I'm talking about the people that are out there protesting there have been lots of reports of speeding because the cops don't really want to pull anybody over because of social distancing. Or just that they're so busy right now that they can't pull everybody over. We've heard, I don't know if you saw on Twitter or not, but Portland Police Department posted all over Twitter last weekend or the weekend before about a whole uh, speed racing ring. Mm. They were finding this illegal street racing ring and, and locking them down. So there's lots of risky behavior going on out there right now. And, well, and I think they've also gotten to the point where there are enough businesses that have been empty long enough that you're starting to get a lot more of the smash and grab kind of thing. Oh, is that increasing as well? I have mm -hmm. no doubt of that. Like these are the things that are going on. One of my friends, Pastor Megan Rohr down in San Francisco, we recently did a conversation around grief. And part of that was kind of that recognition that when we are in extreme circumstances, such as we're in right now, where a lot of adrenaline is being engaged because we know, you know, where things are not the way that we're accustomed to them being, it feels very much like we're under attack at any point in time, that kind of reaction that drives that flight, fight, or freeze response that uh -huh. we're hearing about. Well, for some folks, the way that they're responding is to go into fight, and so what that means is their grief and their fear and those reactions have them stepping out into the world to fight it, right? And so they're going out and protesting. This is one way to have some compassion, to see it as instead of being honestly negligent, right, or having the intent to harm others, to say that this is one way to confront a fear is to confront it and to go run towards it. Okay. And they're running towards it. So we can have compassion that that could be where it's coming from and how we maintain our boundaries is we still don't interact with them. Uh -huh. We don't go meet them on the street. We don't type right? in comments on their Facebook post or whatever. Leave it be right. The less we interact with it, either literally and physically or 
even online and giving it time and space, then the less it's going to impact our own adrenaline response and create our own fight, flight, or freeze response to the situation. Okay, so people are making terrible decisions. We're having a hard time. (laughs) We're going to try to not interact with them. What other steps can we take? I mean, we can only control our own reactions, right? We can only make our own choices about our participation in risky behavior. So we can avoid breaking the speed limit. We can avoid going out to areas where being in the way would cause harm to others. We could also do things like unfollow people on Facebook who are making us angry. Sure. You don't even have to unfriend them. You can unfollow them so their stuff doesn't show up in your feed. I have been known to mute people for a while. Absolutely. And it's fascinating when they start popping up again. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember. It's interesting to see it ramp back up to the point where it's like, yeah, going to have to mute them again. Yeah. And that's okay. It's a tool when we're all in such emotional reactivity spaces because our chemicals in our bodies are reacting to the world around us to choose to mute someone rather than to set the relationship ablaze, so to speak. Sure. I worry though that with the way the algorithms are and everything else, I like to know what others are thinking and what kind of stuff they're looking at. So for me, it's a double-edged sword. I kind of want the knowledge that's out there, but at the same time, you got to understand exactly this. They're coming at it from a different perspective, and I really should just not engage them. It's going to be the best thing for me if I feel the need to see what's out there. A hundred percent. And the echo chamber concern is a real concern. Totally is. And keep in mind that it's the same on the other side, right? We have been so divided as a country for a little while there again. We had lost some of it, but we're back to this deep division, right? Mm -hmm. And we've been so divided as a country that those who strongly believe in strict social distancing and those who are asking to reopen the country's economy have become divided on social lines again. And so... Both sides are getting incredibly angry at the other side. And so you might be muted (laughs) by other people, right? It's a mutual thing. And the challenge is to find ways, how how do we have compassion for one another's journey and experience of this? Again, while maintaining what we believe to be the safest boundaries for ourselves and our families and our community and finding that thin and difficult line. Jesus talked about turning the other cheek and finding the way to create space and and how to protest in ways that turned things on their head because that turn the other cheek was a nonviolent protest kind of response to the rules that were being set by the government. So, you know, how do we find our way to be present in and with our faith guiding us in our choices and in our boundaries and in our compassion for one another. I would say that our faith tells us to pray for our enemies, and that can be incredibly difficult. Oh, that's so hard. Right? It's really hard. And at the same time, it doesn't say you have to pray nicely. So if you're not ready to pray nicely for them, okay, I will say that 
eventually it is likely if you are praying for someone long enough that you might move from please God make them shut up, which is a really human prayer Mm -hmm. to please God change their hearts or please God help our hearts to learn how to hear one another. Right. Over time, things can soften. So we can't control them. We can't change people's minds right now. It's not going to happen. People are too scared. They're making their decisions. We can pray for each other. We can hold our own boundaries. We can take care of our own commitments to each other and ourselves and be gentle and kind with our expectations. Those are all part of this journey. It's so fascinating to me, especially knowing that for many of us, that seems to be coming from the same point, this praying for the other person. But wow, does it manifest itself from completely different parts of where religion is coming from. And it's (laughs) sometimes makes it extra hard. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's totally real. And that's okay. It's okay for it to be real. It's okay to really kind of resent praying for someone or praying, you know, quote unquote, bad prayers for somebody. And you're not going to pray for someone to die. Like, please don't pray for someone to die. Please don't pray for someone to have harm come to them. That's not where we're going here. No. All prayer is fair prayer. You get to pray what's on your heart. I would hope that we would not pray for harm to come to each other. But this is hard. It's super hard. And it's going to be super hard. And we're all reacting to it differently. And the more we can find ways to have compassion with others, the more we can find ways to have compassion with ourselves, the more we can not engage, the more we can just not respond. Don't try to prove yourself right. Just keep making the decisions, the next best decision for yourself and your loved ones and your community and empowering and helping others to be making that next best decision for the community That's what we've got to go on. Yeah, and it's tricky enough to do it for yourself, but for those of us who are quarantined with others, seeing others react to this very badly is hard in and of itself. Oh, it's terribly difficult. And I'm not saying excuse bad behavior. And I'm not saying that you should let people break the law or put other people in oh, danger. Oh, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the people that I'm with who are also seeing this behavior and who are also just enraged to the point where I just want to ask them to please go meditate. But that is still something <laughs> that is enraging for them. Totally. It's a hard cycle to break. It's a very hard cycle to break. It's really hard. We're not going to make light of this. The anger that people are feeling right now is understandable. Short of turning off your phone, which is just not going to happen for 99.9% of us, is there something other than putting your phone down, taking a break, not watching the news? And it's such a tough knife edge to walk because you want to know what's going on in the world. And yet what comes with that news cycle is terrifying. Lots of really smart professionals are making the recommendation of things like limit your news intake. So plan 
when you want to take that information in. Maybe you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to start my day by reading the summary of what happened yesterday. And I'm going to give myself 20 minutes of looking at the news and seeing what happened yesterday. And then I'm going to set it down and I'm going to go into my day. Or maybe you want to make the choice that at noon, you're going to, you know, after lunch or before lunch, you're going to go ahead and open it up, take 20 minutes, find out what's going on in the world, and then go take your lunch and go take a walk and let your body process those chemicals that the news is going to produce. Sometimes for people, maybe it's checking at the end of the day, what happened and taking that. I kind of wonder how that might impact sleeping. Oh, absolutely. Right. Basically, the recommendation is find a time and designate it so you're not checking it all day long and rekindling that chemical reaction all day long. And it's hard to limit. And at the same time, if you can do that, then your body can find ways to kind of find a better rhythm and a regulation rather than constantly being on high alert. So it's a really great and important tip. And putting down your phone, putting down the news, turning off the television, turning off the radio, those are actually really important things to figure out how to do. Reading a book or going for a walk or laying out in a yard and staring at the sky. Like mm-hmm. Those kinds of things, for one, your eyes are going to focus more than six inches in front of your face on a screen, which is helpful. Personally, <laughs> Very helpful. And personally, I should be doing more of that. That kind of thing will also remind you, again, we talked last week, summer or two weeks ago about how to kind of reorient yourself in your real physical space and putting down the online world, putting down that kind of intake of information and being present in your own physical space and with the people that you are physically present with, if you have people with you and are not in isolation, that's really critical for remembering that you are an embodied human being in a given place and time. Well, and I think the other hard part of this is we are relying so much on this technology to make connections with certain people, but there are much simpler ways to do so. You can still sit down and write a letter. You can still make a phone call does not have to include video if it does not need to. Absolutely. There are ways to even stay in touch without having to rely so much on the technology. Absolutely. And I think that people are starting to kind of find that balancing point a little more now that we're a couple of weeks into this. And I know that we're looking at how do we reiterate and make new choices about what we're doing as a community online. And part of it is this getting away from the constant flaring of everything that comes from seeing people making very different decisions from each other and being very frustrated by that. And the, frankly, the huge amount of fear that is driving so much of us right now. Yeah. Sadly, I think that's where a lot of this is stemming from. We had somehow morphed into a fear-based, fear-mongered culture and that everything that was driving us was fear. Fear of not having enough, fear of somebody else getting your share, fear of whatever. It's a chance for us to sort of step back from that if we can take that chance, if we can take that moment 
the rugged individualism and the myth of the lone wolf in the United States has brought some pretty massively painful repercussions. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's it leaves people without the opportunity to understand why others would be making other decisions Mm -hmm. and leaves us feeling like we're in control somehow of our decisions and in control of other people's decisions when really if we think about things as a community if we think of things as interconnected then we start to understand why my decision impacts your decision and how we actually are interwoven with one another in really big ways but when we cling to that myth of rugged individualism and what i want to do is what is right for me so i should have this we start to go down a road that is frankly right now dangerous. Well, and I think we forget the power of a random act of kindness. My daughter is enamored of TikTok videos, and she showed me one from somebody who it seemed like the video was talking about something that was going to be a major confrontation, road rage based. But the guy ended up getting out of his car and out of his mouth comes, you seem like you need a hug. And the other person stepped back enough to go, yeah, I think I do. And managed to turn it around in ways that gave me hope for what could be. I just, I want us to lean into that instead of what we have been and the negativity. Yeah. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Bringing this back a little bit to more of a faith-based thing, is there any other example that you would like to hold up for people other than turn the other cheek that you can think of that is scripture-based? Well, and turn the other cheek is a hard one. I think I'd rather lean us towards pray for your enemies. Sure. Because the turn your other cheek has gotten pretty twisted in our culture. But pray for your enemies. And I think I also want to bring up the Matthew text of do not worry about what you have. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about what you are given. You see the lilies of the field. They are beautiful. And God has provided for them. So do not worry and let your heart know that God will provide. And I know that on ears that are afraid of how to pay rent and how to feed their children, that can really hurt to hear from someone who has privilege. And I truly believe that that passage has been important through centuries because at the end of the day, God will be with us. God is with us in the moments when we have everything that we need at our fingertips and abundance. And God is with those in the ICU fighting to survive in this moment, right? God is present and there. And even for those who lose their life to this, God is still with them. And so if we can lean into that and find the way to have the gift of our faith be our final safety net and our final promise that we can lean into, we have a gift to help us find our way through this. Even if we find our way through this with rage and fury, we can still find our way through this. So that's the other passage I would lift up in this moment. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about building compassion while maintaining boundaries. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And next week, I'm very much looking forward to our episode. We are going to be welcoming a special guest, 
Deanna Tozer is a member of our congregation and a gifted woman who has traveled extensively through this world, serving in some pretty impressive places. And her story holds lots of moments of deep isolation. So we're going to be gathering together to hear about how to survive in times like this. And so thank you for joining us. If you have questions, topic suggestions, or ideas, we would love to hear from you on Facebook or at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.